Thank you to our praise team. Thanks to our choir. Thank all of you for worshiping this morning. And I pray God was honored and pleased with our worship. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as we think along the line as the Lord, of the Lord's Supper, remembering, the Lord's Supper, remember and proclaim. We'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 29. I sat in there earlier, and I was just thinking about the time that we spend in church during the week. The time we spend other places. And um, I really think the Lord's coming up on the short end of our time. Uh, if you come to church today, if you came for Sunday school and worship, let's say if I run over 30 minutes to get out of it. So you got two and a half hours, maybe two hours tonight. So that gives you about five hours on Sunday, if you come on Wednesday night, that'll give you another hour, perhaps. So you may have six hours a week, six hours a week. Most of us work 35 hours a week, 40 hours at the job. School's in session, seven, what, seven hours a day, five days a week, about 35 hours. So we're giving the Lord six hours. We're giving 40 hours, 35 to 40 for our job, 35 for our school, other times spent around the house doing things we want to do. Just thinking about people in a hurry, don't have time for church and worship and God. And so uh, I believe he's coming out on the short end of the stick. So if I should run over as we partake of the Lord's Supper, maybe we just put things in perspective that we're just too busy with everything else besides with the Lord. Let's see what he's done for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul said, For I have received of the Lord. It's not something he's imagined. It's something he received from the Lord. For I have received from the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For oft, verse 26, For often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come together and worship you in song and in praise, and now to open your word and allow your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and our minds with your word. Father, we pray that it will become alive in our soul. We pray, Lord, that we would allow your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and mind. And then, Father, that we would be, as we are led by the Holy Spirit, to, to step forward and make those life-changing decisions 
Lord, I pray that we would have the courage and the confidence to do that. I pray for each person here, for the believer, for the unbeliever. And Father, we pray now you'll be honored and glorified uh, in this time as we open your word. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. It was, at, it was at the end of the Passover that Jesus instituted this new supper to be done, as he said in verse 24, in remembrance of me. And we call this memorial the Lord's Supper. So therefore, if you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple of his, then you're invited to be a guest around the Lord's table. Just think of the believers in time past. Think of the followers of Christ. Think of the disciples of Christ who've been, gathered, who've been gathering in home churches, house churches, who've been gathering in catacombs, who've been gathering in hidden basements, still doing, some, many are, still gathering in secret places, gathering in prison cells, gathering in churches and a number of other places, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to observe this meal that we refer to as the Lord's Supper. And so I guess to the unbeliever and to some Christians perhaps, the question is why do we do it? Why do we do this? Why do we do it? Well, we do it to honor his request. Because he said this, notice, he said, Do this in remembrance of me. So we don't do this to obtain salvation. We don't do this to have some type of special grace. We don't do this to have Christ to dwell in us by digesting the bread and digesting the juice, as some teach. But literally in the Greek text, the words do this denotes an indefinite repetition. Do this again and again and again and again, and when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, most of us have photo albums. Some have videos. Some have CDs, I imagine, of pictures that are so precious to us. They go back years and years and years. Those photo albums... I know photo albums that we have at the house go back, well, on our, we have our wedding photo albums. One time I had blonde hair, weighed 135 pounds. I like to go back and look at those pictures from time to time. We look at those good times that we've shared. We go back and we look at those pictures of our children, you know, when they were first born. We have those pictures to reflect upon. We, we look at the pictures, their first birthday, first they're first when they were one-year-old, and then two-year-old, and three-year-old, and four-year-old, and five, it just goes on and on. Then we see their first day at school, and we go back and reflect on the day they finished high school, the day they finished college, or when they got married, and all their wedding photos. Just a time to reflect on, on good times, on precious memories. But the point is, when I look at this table in front of me and I see the bread and I see the cup, as a believer, it, it brings back many memories, precious memories. 
And so today, as a believer, as you gaze, and as an unbeliever, as you gaze upon this table, we're reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So if you're taking notes, I want to share with you, as simply as I know how, the explanation of the Lord's Supper. What is the Lord's Supper? First of all, it's an ordinance given by Christ to the church. Now, I have this definition I've written down that, I feel like it's a good definition as far as describing or defining an ordinance. An ordinance is a ceremony that Jesus commanded the church to observe that tells the story of the gospel in a symbolic way. Let me say that again. An ordinance is a ceremony that Jesus commanded the church to observe that tells the story of the gospel, Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection that tells the story of the gospel in a symbolic way. So remember, Jesus gave us two ordinances as the church. He gave us the ordinance of baptism. The ordinance of baptism symbolizes his his death, his burial, his resurrection. Baptism really doesn't signify new life, but it signifies death. It's a burial. Then you have the Lord's Supper, where Jesus came from heaven to earth. And he was born of a virgin, Virgin Mary. He died on the cross for an atonement for our sins. And so baptism has nothing to do with washing away our sins. While at the same time, baptism is the first step of obedience for believers. Believers should be baptized. Not for salvation, but because they are saved. has nothing to do with washing away your sins doesn't depart any type of grace whatsoever, salvation whatsoever in your life. Likewise, the Lord's Supper has no saving grace when we digest the bread, when we digest the cup. There's no magical formula in the bread and cup for salvation. Now, some teach that. Some teach that the The bread actually becomes the body of Christ. The juice actually becomes the blood of Christ. Uh, In essence, that's how we have Christ in us. Referred to it as transubstantiation, where the elements actually become the body and the blood of Jesus. The Bible doesn't teach that. So the Lord's Supper is an ordinance given by Christ to the church to tell the story of the gospel and a in a symbolic way. Now, there are important aspects of celebrating the Lord's Supper. If you will, let's walk through these together. Look at verse 24. And when he had given thanks, when he had given thanks, he gave thanks, and then he breaks the bread. Now, notice he gave thanks. The Latin word for that is Eucharist. The word Eucharist means to give thanks. So when we come to the Lord's Supper, the point is we are to participate in the Lord's Supper as a Eucharist activity or an activity giving thanks to God for sending His Son into the world to die on the cross for our sins. It's a time of thanksgiving. And so that is part of the Lord's Supper, an aspect of the Lord's Supper. So when we participate in the Lord's Supper, it's a Eucharist activity, a thanksgiving activity, offering thanks to God, thanking God for salvation that's found in no other way, no other person except Jesus Christ. 
And after he gave thanks, notice what happened in verse 24. Verse 24, he says he gives thanks. He takes the bread, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Now the point is the first symbol is the broken body of Jesus Christ. Now, please be aware that Psalm 34, verse 20, declares that no bones of Jesus Christ would be broken. When he was crucified, if you remember, they broke the, the, the legs of the, the thieves, those being crucified, and therefore they couldn't raise themselves up to, to get air into their lungs, and they died of suff suffocation. But when Jesus was crucified, when they came to break his legs, uh, he was already dead. So they didn't break any bones. Just fulfilled Psalms 34, verse 20. No one, no bones of Christ was broken. However, his body was broken in other ways. When Jesus said in verse 24, which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me, his body was broken in other ways. His back was broken by the scourging of the soldiers during his mock trial. His brow was broken when they placed a crown of thorns upon his brow. You can imagine how they pressed it down and pierced his forehead. His cheeks were broken as they plucked out his beard. His hands and feet were broken as they drove nails into his hands, crucified his hands outstretched, his feet. His feet were broken. His side was broken when they pierced his side with a spear. And so the point being, we must never forget the body of Jesus that was broken for us, substituted for us. It should have been me hanging on the cross. It should have been you hanging on the cross. But he died in our place. He was our substitute. Verse 25, notice after he took the bread, verse 25, after the same manner, he also took the cup, which he supped, saying... This cup is the New Testament in my blood. It's the New Testament in my blood. Now, uh, what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, the covenant was sealed with what? The blood of animals. Thousands and thousands of animals every year sacrificed on the altar for man's forgiveness of sin. Sealing the covenant between God and Abraham and the other patriarchs as the promise was passed on to them. However, the new covenant that God made with man on the basis of grace through faith is sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Not of animals, but with the blood of Jesus. And look at verse 25. He said, the cup is the New Testament in my blood. In my blood. Now that word in is very important because the, the in implies cost. Cost. So the point is salvation is free to anyone who will receive it. It is the free gift of eternal life. But the greatest bargain going today is the salvation which was purchased by the blood of of Jesus Christ, purchased by His blood. We just sang about it. The choir sung about it. Purchased by His blood. And so He sips the cup, and He says, this is 
the New Testament in my blood. I purchased this covenant with my blood. Verse 24 and 25, each end with this. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And the word remembrance there means to consciously call to mind. Consciously call to mind. Not just sit around the table and think about what's happening today. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper. But begin to consciously call to mind what Christ did for us on the cross. Consciously call to mind. The definition, consciously call to mind, tells us that when we come together to worship, we have to use our minds, or we must use our minds to pay attention. We've been studying worship on Wednesday night. And I don't have the time to go back for six weeks and bring you up to what worship really is. But one part of worship is interaction with God, where you speak to God during this time, and He speaks to you during this time. And if you don't speak to Him during this time, and He doesn't speak to you during this time, then you haven't worshipped. You've just done something with your lips that hasn't come from your heart. And He says, listen, we need to pay attention. You know, a lot of times, you know, most people, they stay up late on Saturday night. I know last night was an unusual night. A lot of you were up last night. Got up early this morning, but most people stay up late on Saturday night, and a lot of people get up late on Sunday morning, and a lot of people rush into a service, and a lot of people just put their mind in neutral and just idle through a worship service. And they leave and said, well, I attended worship. So the point today, all of us, all of us, we need to consciously call to mind how Jesus suffered, bled, and died and will save a sinner like me and will save a sinner like you if you'll just simply receive Him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. So there's an explanation. Real quick, there's a proclamation. Verse 26, notice what he says. For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He comes. He uses the word show there, shoe in the King James, show, to tell again, to declare, to preach, to show forever. Here's the point. Every time we come together to share the Lord's Supper, the, the, the tablecloth really declares the purity of Christ, but the supper in itself, the bread, the juice, all preach a sermon about Jesus. Again and again and again and again. It's all about Jesus. The table, the bread, the cup, they preach a sermon. The sermon, Christ is the Savior of the world. The sermon, salvation is available to everyone. The sermon, you can't make it on your own. The sermon, Christ did all that's required. That's why He said on the cross, it is finished. Nothing else left. Purchased our salvation by His blood. So the point is, there's something wrong with our worship when we come to God's house and we see the elements on the table and we have no desire whatsoever to tell anyone about what's going on. 
preaches a sermon. So there's an explanation. There's a proclamation. And I'll close with this. There's an expectation. Look at verse 26. For often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. You show it till he comes. And so the Lord's Supper will be observed by the church until he comes. Now why is that? Well, because the Lord's Supper is a symbol of who? Jesus. And I like this. The Lord's Supper is a symbol of Jesus. And when the Lord returns, the symbol is no longer needed because the person is more important than the symbol. My goodness. You do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to share your word this morning. Help us now to worship you and reflect as we already and prayerfully have made preparation to, to partake of the Lord's Supper. But during this time of invitation, speak to hearts, I pray. Allow your Holy Spirit to move people. Nothing that I've said, but Lord, I pray all that you say to their hearts, may they be moved, may they be stirred to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name.